The Film Guide with Chris and Sam, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with uh, your friend and mine, Chris Aikman. Hello, Chris. Hello, Danny. Uh, thank you for being here on this this off week of yours. You've, uh... <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was relaxing with a with a pina colada on the beach, and I got your message. Cut the holiday short, and yeah. here you are. That's it, resting. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm I'm here because normally it would be um, producer Sam uh, doing Indeed. this with you. But uh, but yeah, she she just you couldn't afford her for the all four parts. So I could only afford her for one quarter of it this time. So she will be here for part three. Um, but for, I mean, you're a much cheaper option, I'm afraid, Danny. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, so yeah, so so what we'll be doing is we'll be looking at Chris's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Uh, Sam will be uh, discussing with Chris uh, where to next, looking at films uh, not in the English language uh, for, and films uh, made in, in other parts of the world. And then we will... Before that, we'll be looking at uh, new releases on the streaming services. But before that, let's look at the cinema. Chris. Yes, so the big release this week is the third film in the Fantastic Beasts trilogy. This is Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. Now, I can't claim to have seen any of the Fantastic Beasts movies. so I saw The Rise of the Silver Surfer. I thought that one was okay. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. Uh, the, the the big thing I know about this film is that obviously um, Johnny Depp was in the previous film as Grindelwald, the the, the villain, and obviously um, a lot has happened with Johnny Depp in between um, that last film and this film. Uh, there was a whole court case, and he was asked to step away from the role, and he did. So he has been replaced in the role of Grindelwald by uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Now, Mads Mikkelsen is a great actor who improves almost any movie. Uh, especially when he's being a villain, because he's he's incredibly intense and uh, sort of eccentric. He can do a whole range of things. It's great to see Mads. Now, I, I I love his work, but in almost everything I think I've seen him in, he has terrified me, and I've got mm. a fairly strong you know composition about me. And and so, putting him in a family film is this going to you know result in an awful lot of therapy for kids when they get older? Maybe, but again, he you know he is the villain. That's what he's meant to be doing. And and if we the amount of films I'm sure that we saw as children that uh, have an intense villain that has scarred us for for life, and it's you know kids need a good scarring from a villain. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't take that out of context and just clip that. Uh... <laughs> Clip that out. No, no, please don't. Um, enough of that at the minute. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, so that's that's the first film. So, so this is the yeah this is the third one in in this trilogy, which indeed is in itself a spin off from the Harry Potter trilogy. Indeed, yes, uh, n- not trilogy. There was like hundreds of them. Was it? Eight of them. I Eight believe. of them. Yeah. So, uh, but but yes, from the Harry Potter series, uh, this is the latest yeah, one. Yeah. So this this features a young Albus Dumbledore, um, played by uh, Jude Law. Uh, obviously, in, uh, originally played by Richard Harris and then Michael Gambon. Mm. Uh, so yes, it, it's it's set in you know in the past uh, before Harry and all that are even a twinkle in their parents who aren't even born because they're not even a twinkle in their grandparents' eyes. So yeah, right. so this is a lot of pre-twinkles, pre-twinkles exactly. Okay, good. To uh, know. So if you don't fancy. If you don't fancy uh, big um, special effects driven fancy magical movies. But what if you still want something that's a little bit family orientated, maybe something that's still a little bit like, you know, going to get the adrenaline going in the cinema during this uh, Easter holidays. Is there anything else? 
Uh, Maybe even something which is related to the Harry Potter series, it'll be a slightly more oblique way. Uh, Well, there's the there's the uh, coming out on Wednesday. So it's not so. Fantastic Beasts came out today, Friday, the eighth of April. Uh, Coming out on Wednesday, on the thirteenth of April, is The Lost City. Uh, which uh, stars Sandra Bullock as a uh, best-selling romance novelist uh, and uh, Channing Tatum as the uh, dim-witted cover model for um, Sandra Bullock's uh, novel, The Lost City of D. Uh, she's a reclusive romance novelist uh, going on a book tour uh, with her cover model and they get swept up in a kidnapping, uh, which then lands them in a uh, jungle adventure. It also stars, as you... Uh, we're, we're referencing very subtly there uh, Daniel Radcliffe as an eccentric billionaire and international criminal, uh, but also Brad Pitt is also in here as well. And this has had pretty good reviews, actually. The, it looks like sort of stupid fun, um, and the trailer looks quite quite amusing. When when I first saw the trailer for this movie, I um, I had to double check because I wondered if this was actually a remake from a rather rather successful 80s movie that seemed to have a similar premise. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but it felt a lot like Romancing the Ransom Stone. Romancing the Stone, yeah. Which was about a romance novelist and, and, and she was somewhat reclusive and then she gets swept up in a jungle adventure. And, you know, th- th- there are, there are some, some real parallels between those two movies. I'm, I'm sure it was it was a sort a reference source for them, um, but it does look like you know Dan, Daniel Radcliffe as well, especially is he's an actor. I think he's he's made very conscious efforts to to get away from his Harry Potter. Uh, you know, he obviously was very successful, made a lot of money from that, but he's since then done quite a few like odd little movies and sort of more art house or indie, um, a lot of strange comedies. I'm thinking specifically of um, Swiss Army Man, okay. which is a movie where he plays a corpse for the entire time. And it's certainly not uh, everyone's cup of tea, but it's like odd and quirky and weird. It's I think he, he makes interesting uh, choices. He's, he's made, I imagine, all the money anyone could ever want to make uh, before he was 20 years old. And now he's doing sort of interesting, fun things with his career. So... Good on Daniel. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Lost City does it. It it does look like a lot of fun. It it looks like a, a film, perhaps that doesn't bear an uh, an awful lot of scrutiny. But um, but you know, a lot of these films don't. You know, just go along and enjoy them. You know, they a good bit of escapism for a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, I realised that I skipped over a film. Um, you which, did indeed. Which which I thought was all part of the first film. I didn't read it properly <laughs> in my notes. So there is another film that we're going to be talking about, which also came out on Friday, um, the, the whatever it was in April, but it's today. Eighth. The 8th. Yes. yes. Uh, so yes, you skipped over the outfit, um, which is because this is this is it almost threw me when you started talking about a, a film linked, you know, possibly to to Harry Potter, and I was and uh, and you also said a family movie, uh, and I was trying to think of how a film about a, a tailor trying to outwit a gang of mobsters in Chicago in the nineteen thirties. I was trying to work out how that was a family-orientated film, but that's what the outfit is about. It's about a British tailor uh, played by Mark Rylance, Oscar winner Mark Rylance, who his um, his shop is often used as a as a drop by uh, local mobsters. Used to you know, he he looks the other way as as they do sort of use his shop for dirty dealings, but then suddenly you know the yes, it's the fan and. Uh, 
basically everyone starts turning up at his shop and people are injured and he starts getting in over his head. Um, so it stars Mark Ryland, Zoe Dutch, uh, Dylan O'Brien, Simon Russell Beale. Uh, there it looks, it's a uh, very different from fantastic beast and lost city, uh, much more adult, uh, drama thriller. Uh, but Mark Rylance is always a uh, very good value for money. So, uh, yeah. One, one for the adults rather than the families. Yeah, um, and also um, I'm going to make mention there of one of the names that you did just mention, Simon Russell Beale, because mm. uh, 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 as with Mike Rylance, who's you know also very well known for his stage work, Simon Russell Beale is a fine stage actor and has um, appeared in in character. I guess you call them character roles, don't you? Really, when they're not like the main one, but they do stand out in some way. He, yeah, you know, he, he's a, so you may not necessarily know the name, but you, you're you're almost certainly going to have seen some of his work before. And uh, and yeah. Yeah, he's he's in this movie too. So it's it's got some interesting um, talent from the British stage. Um, uh, yeah, if you've ever seen uh, the death of Stalin, Armando Iannucci's the death of Stalin. Simon Russell Beale is, I mean, to say he's the villain, they're all villains in the death of Stalin. It's about the worst people in the world, basically. Uh, but he is the most villainous of the villains, and uh, yes, he's he's in what is. A very dark, a dark comedy. He is terrifying uh, in the death of Stalin. Okay. So, yeah. All right. That's uh, that's the outfit. That's that's the th- well. That's the second of three movies we talked about in the wrong <laughs> way around. Never mind. Um, but that's the second of three movies that are out this week in the cinemas. Time now to look at new releases on the streaming services. Uh, we've got two this week. Uh, we'll start with Netflix. Chris, The Metal Lords. Yes, this is a, what you'd call, I suppose, coming-of-age uh, comedy um, where two friends in high school in America try to form a heavy metal band, uh, but one of them catches the eye of a cellist at school and uh, he tries to recruit her into joining their band. Obviously, this causes rift a rift amongst the band as one doesn't think a cellist is uh suitable for a heavy metal band um but it looks judging from the trailer it's 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 pretty <laughs> it, it's one of those trailers uh you've got a red band warning uh which is where it's a trailer with all of the uh all of the swears in it and it's a pretty foul-mouthed uh, for a teen comedy it's got Jaden martell who you might recognize from He's the the teenage son in Knives Out, um, but he's also one of the kids in the It films, It Chapter One and Two. Okay, uh, and yeah, so he he's in there, and it looks like a good fun. I, I'm willing to give this a go. Okay, I noticed as well it's got in it Joe Manganiello, who um, is uh, <laughs> maybe better well known pronounced. as yeah, thank you, better known as uh, Mr. Sophia Vergara. Um, but uh, but also he was when he didn't he get his kit off in some Magic Mike films and was a he's, werewolf. He's in Magic Mike. Was he? In, was he a werewolf? Yeah, wasn't he in True Blood? Oh yes, he was in True Blood. I was trying to think of Twilight, and uh, <laughs> no, yes, he was in True Blood. He he was also at small roles in um, Batman vs Superman. Uh, he has more on there, um, but yes, uh, very handsome, well built man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, that's it. So uh, yeah, so and if you want a pronunciation check, there it is, Joe Manganiello. Yep. That's how we're saying that. Okay, let's move on to Prime Video. Uh, and uh, th- there's one film that we're talking about there this week. This one has a little bit more of a, a, a sort of a, a top draw cast in that I've heard of all of those people you've listed. <laughs> yes. 
So this is all the old knives. So this is um, about two CIA, CIA operatives and former lovers, played by uh, Chris Pine and Tandy Newton. And uh, they are reunited um, to go over a mission, um, re-examine a mission uh, that took place six years previously in Vienna, uh, where a fellow agent might have been compromised. Uh, it also stars, uh, as you alluded to, uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Jonathan Price. So yes, um, very good cast there. And uh, it looks it looks very exciting, stylish thriller. And of uh, course, uh, Tandy Newton in there as well, who I think um, is is somebody that I don't know. Sometimes I feel she's a little bit. Oh, I mean, it's not nice to say is it, but you know, sometimes a little bit bland. And other times, I think her portrayal is really spot on. I've I found this kind of weird in Line of Duty, and and I don't know. She it really felt like she was quite. I don't know, flat. And he, he sort of, I don't know whether that was the way she, she interpreted the character, maybe that the character didn't have a lot of highs and lows in terms of her, you know, like dramatic range that, that maybe, I guess because the character she's playing was a high ranking police officer, maybe she felt she'd be far more professional and all of her emotions would be kept somewhat subdued, but, but you know, she didn't seem all that, but then other things I've seen her in, I thought she's been wonderful. I haven't, I can't comment on live duty having uh what being one of maybe eight people in the country to have never seen an episode of Line of Duty, um, but uh, I did watch the first series of Westworld. Oh uh, yes, she, she was in, in that, and she she was excellent in that. So maybe yeah, it's it's she yeah she's obviously a very talented actor and uh, just needs needs the right role. So but and uh, Chris Pine as well. Chris Pine, I think, um, is often overshadowed by the other Hollywood Chrises. Uh, being uh, Hemsworth, uh, Evans, and Pratt, Rock, uh, and well, yes, certainly overshadowed by Rock recently. Um, <laughs> but I think Chris Pine um, is—he's is, he's obviously a very charismatic, um, charming actor. <laughs> you know, and I'm desperately trying to think of as many Chris's uh, in Hollywood as you possibly can. Uh, Lloyd. Um, yeah. So, so I'll stop there. Uh, yes, but he, he, yeah, he's a he's a very charming, charismatic actor, and uh, yeah, looking forward to giving this a go. Okay, I always get Chris Pine confused with the bloke that used to be in NCIS, Michael Weatherly. I, they they have a okay. uh, they have a resemblance to one another. I don't. I can imagine it's the sort of thing where maybe one might have been asked to sign the other, autographs for the other on occasions, but they don't look that alike. But I always get them confused, and I always look at. And even now, I'm just looking at um, uh, a, a, a picture for all the old knives, and I'm thinking to myself, "Is that the bloke that's in NCIS?" But I think no, it's not. It's Chris Pine. No, it's 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 far more successful, Chris Pine. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so um, that's All the Old Knives, which is uh, coming out on Prime Video and will be out on Prime Video well, today, I guess. That comes yeah, out on as the, we speak. On the 8th of April. Tina Aguilera. There you go, just trying to think of another Chris. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. 
Oh, hi, it's me, producer Sam, dropping in for part three of Chris's film guide this week, where we talk about movies not in the English language, entitled Where To Next, because, you know, we're hopping around the globe, aren't we, Chris? We are indeed. Uh, we've been to Asia, we've been to Europe, we've been to Africa, uh, we've been to Eurasia, we've been to, to South America, and... Um, this time we went to Iceland, so actually relatively close by, all things considered, um, to the UK, and we watched um, Lamb, which is uh, directed by Valdemar Johansson. Uh, apologies in advance for any uh, mispronunciations of uh, Icelandic names. Very sorry if we get them wrong, but we're trying our best. Uh, so yes, we watched Lamb, which only came out um, internationally last year, but I think it was only released in the UK this year. So it's a, a relatively recent film, uh, and it stars uh, Numi Rapace and Hilmir Snear Gunnason. Again, apologies. Uh, they are Maria and Ingvar, um, a married um, pair of farmers in a remote um, part of Iceland. They have. They have sheep, they look after sheep and um, grow potatoes. But, you know, their marriage doesn't seem particularly happy. They don't really talk to each other that much. It seems, you know, it's quite an isolating life that they lead. Um, and, and they help birth sheep as part of their um, duties. Lambs, uh, if they, you will. Yes, yes, yes. Young sheep are lambs. Uh, they help birth lambs. And one day, while well, uh, one of their sheep who is pregnant, uh, it starts giving birth and gives birth to something they were not expecting. Now, should we should we call spoilers pretty early on? Because there's think... no. It, it's best to go into this film not have not knowing that much about it. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, I mean, it's a sort of cult horror in the making this i think and it it's weird to describe it as a horror because there is horrific bits to it but also it's like weirdly sweet in certain points and actually quite funny in others mm. um so it's, it's it's a hard film to to accurately describe and put into a a box of saying this is what that is um but it, it's it's been described as a folk horror Sort of like something sort of out of folk tales and things like that, but so I think we should probably get into to spoilers. So if well, I I, I can say before we 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 cut off entirely, uh, and you you don't want to listen to it, you want to wait. To, I think Sam and I, it's safe to say, would both thoroughly recommend this film. It's not to everyone's tastes. It's a slow burn. There's a lot of static camera shots of wilderness and stuff. Sometimes, you know, not a huge amount going on, but just sort of emphasising the the loneliness and the the remoteness and stillness of, of life in in. They filmed it in north northern Iceland, so in a in a valley, which looked very beautiful. And uh, yeah, so we would both recommend. I think that's a. I safe yeah. To say. Def- Definitely. I you know that I need a few days to ruminate on movies sometimes, mm-hmm. Chris. Yes. And that's that's mostly because I don't know, they were just fine. And what else is there to say? It's like, true. Most movies are just fine. But I moments after this movie finished said this is 
the best movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I think you almost went as far as to say it's the best movie you've ever seen. I think you walked that back a few minutes later, but well, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with that. <laughs> Even now, wow, wow. So that is a high. Sam has seen four movies. Um... <laughs> yeah, Home Alone. Um... High Hills and Low Lifes. Yeah. Arrival and this. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you weren't even watching any of the previous Where To Next that we've uh, we've watched. No, I was just making everything up. Mm. Yeah, don't trust anything we've said previously. Or at least that Sam has said. I've watched them all. Anyway, uh, we thoroughly recommend it. But if you would like to avoid spoilers, please skip to the following timestamp. 36.39. Right, so... Essentially what happens is the, the, the opening of the film is something moving through a snowy Icelandic, like, remote wilderness, um, following some horses, something's, something's making, like, pu- you know, puffing sort of air and making grunting noises. It moves across this wilderness. It's spooking horses. It makes its way into this, this sheep shed, and the sheep all see it. Again, you hear the noises, something mysterious is happening, and then one of the sheep starts acting weirdly and, like, falls over. And that's the opening of the film, and then it cuts to uh, Maria and Ingvar. Before we jump to the human actors... Yes. Oh, yes. We both agreed. The sheep in this movie, (laughs) they, some of those sheep, if not all of them, are better actors than some humans. It was amazing. It, it was th- that was a th- thought I had about three minutes in was just like, damn, these are really good sheep. <laughs> just <laughs> it was I mean, quite strange. I've never had that thought about because um, you, you often see a lot of like dog actors, and there's a dog actor in this, also very good. Uh, you see it with horse actors. There's, there's animals that get used over and over. Cats. There's a cat in this as well, also very good. But you, you don't see often sheep actors, and in this. They were top quality. It it was fascinating. I mean, it's very possible that they spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours filming these sheep and yes. to get those one moments that were per you know, the perfect moment that because it was almost every eye movement, every twitch that really it was telling the story because like you said, Chris, it's quite a slow burn and there isn't actually that much dialogue. No, it's, it's certainly for the first ten minutes. I think for the first 10 minutes, you maybe get two lines of dialogue, and even then they're quite short between Maria and Ingvar. And you hear the radio as well a bit. But other than that, there's... Like, Wikipedia literally lists three... No, sorry, four actors in the cast, and one of them is listed as man on television. Uh, So it's a very small cast. Not a huge amount is said between them. A lot of it's done, yeah, through, through action, through deed. But yeah, so so going back to sort of it, the, you know, the, the this sheep, as we said, gives birth, uh, and you see the reaction. You only see the faces of Maria and Ingvar, and something has clearly rattled them about what's just happened, and they take this newborn sheep back into their house and actually care for it in their house first in like a tub a metal tub and then secondly they get an old cot a baby's cot out of their shed and they keep it next to their bed uh, swaddled up under blankets 
and you don't really see you know for yeah for a good sort of 15 minutes you don't get any more information than that you just watch them caring for this this newborn lamb until it becomes clear that the lamb is part lamb part human child mm. and it's it's quite a sort of unsettling effect as they as they as they treat this this child like their own because and you and you learn they they have a cot already in their shed they have a room with some toys and things it becomes more and more clear that they had a daughter called Ada and Ada you don't know what happened exactly but Ada is no longer around Ada is not along no longer alive and they now have this sort of second chance to have a baby daughter in the form of a sheep human hybrid who they also call Ada and then partway through they've got this idyllic life now that they're they're living with their new daughter and then partway through uh, Ingmar's uh, sorry Ingvar's brother Peter uh, played by Bjorn Hulnir Haraldsson who I recognize from the Witcher uh, he has a small part in the Witcher he arrives he's a obviously has a dodgy past he, he arrives being kicked out he like kicked out of the literally the boot of a car and made to walk the rest of the way and he arrives and sort of disrupts this the harmony and asks a very very pressing question of basically what the f is going on here uh which it was at that point as well you you said you have so many mixed feelings about what is going on you yeah. want to elaborate on those mixed feelings you had when watching this? Well, of course, yeah, because it. <laughs> well, you said like they have this sort of ha- harmony of of raising this half sheep, half human child, but of course they are kind of shaken by it at first. And before we see um, Ada the, for the first time, we see. Um, Ingvar, you know, he's off driving the tractor as part of, you know, the daily work that they're doing and he breaks down because, you know, it's a it's a shock. Mm. And you you don't you know, obviously as the audience you don't know exactly what's going on at that point um in terms of in terms of the the sort of creature as it were um without I don't know it's it, it's it's that's part of the mixed feelings like to call to call her a creature feels cruel. Yeah. Because often we're we're referring to something inhu or unhuman or inhuman, and um, this well, yeah. this yeah, it's you you see you see her as a child, uh, in without any prejudice against her sheep headed body. Yeah, so so Ada has the head head of a sheep, and the right arm is a hoof, mm. but the rest of her body, legs and left arm are human and yeah her, her new parents Marine Ingvar treat her she eats at the table she eats human food but Peter when he, her uncle turns up he treats her like a sheep he's obviously very wary because where <laughs> what the hell has happened but he also he tries to feed her grass basically and this makes Ingvar very angry and it's yeah, it's it's very strange. You're like, yes, what is happening? It, it stirs up a lot of it. It's a good film to like challenge you and your 
you know preconceptions and things but and, and to ask you know ask the big questions about what to be what it is to be human and like you know do animals deserve the same dignities as us and things like that and, and yes well yeah but and obviously they're they're farmers and you know it's not really it's not really ever i don't think shown what they do with the sheep like are they actually are they birthing lambs for food are they trying to, or are they cuz you don't see them shearing the sheep or anything like that i don't believe no that's true that is true yeah so you don't know what the actual purpose of them rearing sheep are to be fair yeah but it's I I I looked up some descriptions or some reviews after it came out and and in Rolling Stone described um the film as the the sweetest most touching waking nightmare you've ever experienced which I think is a really good description because yeah you, you're it's a, it's a sort of a family drama mixed up in this this is why to say it's 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 horror is maybe a bit misleading if if people are expecting sort of jump scares and tensions there is obviously tension and suspense but it's i was on the edge of my seat crest the whole time <laughs> it's it's horror in that it's something unusual and un, like unnatural and it's, it's in the uncanny valley isn't it because outside of the realms of yeah what we understand yeah exactly uncanny valley the, props too to the Special effects team who worked on this film, um, partly animatronics, uh, which is very good, but also the the computer generated sheep head on Ada is largely computer generated, and yeah, you, you can sort of you can tell it's not it's not completely seamless, but some of the expressions and the emotion you can see emotion on this little girl's sheep face, like human emotions that you understand mm. as being human emotions and it's it's very well put together yeah i thought it was really fantastic like often when you have creatures in a movie it can be sometimes tricky to suspend your disbelief with certain aspects of it but i i felt that it was like you say it's not going to be perfect because you know we're not necessarily fully there with computer graphics necessarily but and also it's it's a relatively I don't know the budget of Lamb, but I can guarantee it's not the biggest film in the world in terms of budget. Sure. But I think like this achieved so much more with something reasonably simple compared to massive budget movies where yeah. some of the SFX are just not up to scratch despite the billions of dollars or, you know, hundreds of millions that are poured in. So, and that's... Again, probably, you know, they are creating every single backdrop is, you know, every, yeah. you know, you've got so many CGI effects in there. But yeah, with this, it's just that one aspect, I assume. Um, but even so, it was done in a way that allowed you to, to suspend your disbelief. It put you into the story. It evoked emotion. And so that was, it did its job perfectly, I thought. Yeah. No, and it was it. It's all as well. Um, I mean, Numi Rapace is uh, an actor who's been in so many things, and she's a she's an excellent actor. Uh, she's a Swedish actor, but 
is obviously speaking uh, Icelandic in this. Um, we looked it up, how many languages she speaks, and it's I think she speaks like five or six um, because she's she's been in big like Hollywood blockbusters, um, and as well as she she was in the uh, original uh, Swedish. Uh, I said I said Swedish. I don't know why I said that. Uh, Swedish version of uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. She's Elizabeth Sounder in the Swedish language versions of of those films, and yeah, she's an excellent actor. And really, I think th- there's not particularly a lead in this, but I'd say she's she's as close to a lead as as the film has. Um, yeah, and a lot of it revolves around her and her sort of emotional state and. She is, she is excellent. But all of them are excellent, including the man on TV. <laughs> and uh, I think so, they missed. They must have missed off the um, the people that kicked Peter out of the car. That's true. There were there were three of them. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure IMDb has a uh, much larger uh, credits than uh, than Wikipedia does. But uh, do you have anything else you would you would like to add before we uh, um, before we conclude? Other than say, obviously, that it, yeah, it's fantastic. It's certainly nowhere near, like, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to like this. It's slow moving. It's deliberate. It's it's not, you say you're on the edge of the seat, but it's not exciting per se. There's nothing, there's long stretches where just sort of, you're looking at kind of the beautiful Icelandic harsh wilderness. Yeah, I mean... Th- to be on the edge of my seat like yeah we use that phrase because it's you know we're used to car chases and suspense of maybe a different kind in 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 movies um but this brought yeah like a a huge i just felt like i was immersed entirely in the world yeah because i was given that time to to see it you saw, like you say, you've got all the landscape shots. You've got, you know, the time with the sheep and the dog and the cat. You know, you just day to day, you feel like you see see their their entire their entire day in such a short amount of time. And I don't know, yeah, you you say like that maybe their marriage isn't going so well necessarily, but like maybe they just maybe that's just how they are, quiet people. You run yeah. out of things to say. How many things can you say? Like, oh, have you done the farming today? Yes. No. Yeah, I know. But I think it's... my The implication that I got was that their, their marriage isn't particularly happy because later on when... So Peter, the uncle, uh, actually, he has a bit of an about turn, um, initially very wary of Ada, but then... They start to bond, and he takes Ada out for a fishing trip, uh, leaving Maria and Ingvar alone, and they um, have sex. Um, and it's sort of implied that it's the first time they've done it for a while. Well, yeah, sure. Because they often no. they often do. You you see scenes of them where they go to bed kind of separately. They they sleep together, but they're often like one of them's just we'll go to bed. Yeah. And, no. Um, yeah. True. So I, I think it's sort of the lack of intimacy between mm. them um, suggests that, and you, you don't know how long it's been like that. Uh, was it since their daughter passed away? Who knows? But it's 
they certainly grow closer mm-hmm. as once Ada is in their lives. That's that's the reading I had of it. Yeah, no, fair enough. But yeah, I, d- I mean, I guess I don't have any, I don't know. I could talk about it a lot, but then that would just be me relaying the movie scene by scene. And <laughs> yeah, we don't want, to do it. we want, we want people to, to experience this for themselves. But yeah, I have something to say about every single scene and every moment, but like, yeah, we, we only have so much time, Chris. We, we do indeed. And so Lamb is currently streaming on uh, Mubi, which is the streaming service that generally shows more like world cinema. Uh, so that's where it's streaming. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's available on Blu-ray or DVD, but please do check it out. We would thoroughly recommend. So next up, though, we're going uh, from Iceland. We're heading to the Philippines, and we're going to watch a, uh, a film that's streaming on Netflix. It's called Buy Bust. It's all one word, B-U-Y-B-U-S-T, um, Buy Bust. And it's a Filipino action movie from 2018. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, like I said, streaming on Netflix. If you have any comments either about Lamb or By Bust or any of the films we've talked about on uh, Where To Next, then please do email in chris at snalbanspodcast.com. That's chris at snalbanspodcast.com. Or uh, sam at snalbanspodcast.com. And we will see it there. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, next up we'll talk about films on free-to-air TV. I thank you to Sam for that last part and for uh, not needing me for that at all. I don't feel cheap in any way. But let's move on now to a look at Chris's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. And we start off with Friday the 8th of April, April uh, on 9pm ITV2, Fast and Furious 8. Yes, your favourite, Danny, the Fast and Furious series. Um, is this the was, one we went to see? This isn't the one we went to see. This is the one before the one we went to see. How do you so know? It was Fast and Furious. They're all incredibly different with incredibly different plots and incredibly different set pieces uh, and incredibly different muscular bald men. Um, no, so this is yes, this is the one previously that we saw Fast and Furious 9 at the cinema together um, when the cinemas reopen this is the one before that this one has a bit of a twist on it in that dom toretto played by vin diesel he gets lured over to the bad side he gets sort of blackmailed he has to he works with the villains against his uh his comrades and friends and um it's the fast and furious movies are not something you know part of me as as a man that enjoys um well you know uh Films not in the English language, films from around the world. So I'm trying to watch more of, trying to watch more independent cinema. Um, really trying to branch out in what I enjoy. Uh, I, I, I I thought for a long time that you know I can't I can't like these Fast and the Furious movies. It, 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 it's it's gauche. It, it, it's it's cheesy stuff. And then I just had to learn to accept and embrace this part of me that just really really enjoys these stupid but incredibly well-made, like, gravity-defying, um, you know, things of watching basically big people throw each other around and then drive cars really fast. And, yeah, they're they're big, dumb fun, and I, I love them. Would you, would you describe these as your guilty pleasure? Well, maybe a while ago, but I, know, I don't feel guilty about it. 
No, okay. they're just they're just a pleasure. Well, I think you should. But okay, well, I'm choosing to ignore you on that. So uh, <laughs> no, but there is. There, I mean, you cannot fault the, um, the 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 stunts, the production value of it, the the spectacle of it all. It, it is all breathtaking, and and the cast. It does seem with each successive film, the the, the cast seems to get bigger and bigger. Mm. Yeah, that you you've got in this one, a uh, Charlize Theron, a uh, Kurt Russell. Uh, you, you know, you you've got alongside all the regular ones. It, it's. It is an impressive, um, you know, cast list aside from anything else. But the problem I have with these is that I feel like they have gone so far from what they were that <laughs> yes, they bear no resemblance because the original wasn't the first one quite a low budget um, sort of street movie, and, and it, it was, was it was it was kind of like. Um... The first one was basically Point Break, but with drag racing. Mm. So um, as opposed to surfers, it was a guy played by Paul Walker, who he's a police officer. He goes undercover in a gang who do street racing, but also do um, like robberies. They, they rob stuff. It's much, it's very low, like not very low budget, but certainly nowhere near the budget of, of these films. Um, and some very good stunts, but yeah, much more low key. Uh, in the most recent Fast and the Furious film, the one we saw at the cinema, uh, two of the characters drive a car into space. Um, so it's it's gone quite away. Yeah, um, it was interesting to watch that with a space scientist. You know that that was yes, that's um, true. Because I mean, she was able to say, "Well, they wouldn't use their indicators." You know that sort of thing. You know, it was it helped <laughs> yeah. add the, to the authenticity of it. Uh, it's but what I what I admire about the Fast and Furious movies, they're obviously they're they're chock a block with um computer effects as a lot of these movies are, but actually a lot of it as well, um they have maintained doing practical car stunts. They have actual very highly trained uh you know, stunt drivers and things doing a lot of uh those stunts themselves. And I think it's quite admirable that they've kept uh, kept that up. Sure. Okay. Like I say, it's big, dumb fun. It, I love it. It is. And I don't know why I don't like it when I like so many other films that would fall into that category, because I have no problem with Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible films. But but I guess with those, they've always been quite spectacular and, and a little mm. far-fetched. And, and it, whereas I think these films started in one place and ended, ended somewhere completely different. And I don't know why that bothers me, but it seems to. It's That's not, fair. It's not up That's to me. Fair. It's not up to me. Don't listen to no. me. They're very successful films. People love them. Fast they do. And, Fast and Furious 8, ITV2, 9pm on Friday the 8th of April. Let's move to Saturday the 9th of April. And a film that I think is more universally accepted as a classic than your first one. Um, ITV, 9.50pm, <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. Well, yeah, so Saturday is... I've I've got three movies here. Uh, and they all start at a similar time. So you really, you've got quite a choice to make if, uh, but they're, they're all different. Um, so you can, you know. have to get your mum to take one of them. Yeah, depending on what you're looking for for your Saturday night entertainment, um, then we've got a choice for you. Like you said, ITV, uh, 9.50 p.m., Shaun the Dead, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost uh, in Edgar Wright's uh, classic zombie comedy. It's just, it's a masterpiece of comedy but also some drama it, you know it, there's there's a lot you know a lot of dramatic beats in this uh comedy about yeah a zombie apocalypse as as friends try and survive in in a pub against some zombies and it's just it's funny every time it's one of those movies no matter how many times you see it there's always something you can laugh at the there are bits that you don't get old in it and i think that that's very admirable in 
So, because comedy obviously ages the most poorly out of any genre. There are comedies that can be funny one year and literally the next year they just stop being funny. But well, it's like a joke, think... isn't it? When you've heard the joke more than once, you you are not likely to laugh very well. But but with a comedy movie as good as this, it's not just about jokes. It's the whole premise that's funny. It's it's yeah massive. It's set pieces that are humorous, not just the odd line or two. There's the, the the script is funny. The physical comedy is funny. The references are funny. It's yeah, it's great. Okay, uh, and so also Dead. Um, homage to the genre that it's sending up. You, know, it, it, you can tell that they love zombie movies. The people who've made this and 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 they've put in lots and lots of references to to lots of tropes from zombie films in in in, yes. these, in this movie. Yeah, you you could spend one whole viewing just trying to spot yeah all the different things you know references to various George A. Romero movies mm. uh, throughout the years. Okay, uh, but if if you don't want zombies, uh, you want something maybe a bit more bit more highbrow. Uh, then on Channel 4 at 9.15 p.m., uh, you've got The Favourite, uh, the film that won Olivia Colman her Oscar um, as as the Queen, as she, as she has two subjects sort of battling for her affection, played by Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. And it, it's, it's amazing. To, I mean, Olivia Colman is a fantastic actor, but it, it was amazing to see Olivia Colman, who's been appearing on British TV mostly in um, sort of sitcoms and stuff like some sketch comedy things, things like Green Wing and whatnot, and so she's popping up in these roles. Um, and she's been doing it for years, and a well-known face on British television suddenly is now this incredibly well-known international actor. And I think it's great that you know, and she seems so lovely mm. uh, and and fun and charming. And uh, Howard Linsky has a theory that that these days you cannot have a movie, particularly a British movie, unless it's got either Olivia Colman or Stephen Graham in it. It's a rule somewhere. I I, I recently I can't remember why it, why it came up, but I recently looked up uh, Stephen Graham's IMDb because so I was like, he's he's in something like coming out every couple of months or something, whether it's TV or film. And yeah, he 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 makes like four things a year, and that it's such an incredible output. Uh, for an actor, uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with uh, Howard's theory there. Either Olivia Colman or uh, Stephen Graham, they're in everything, um, but neither everything. of them are in your third choice on Saturday night, are they? No, they're not. Which is on Five Star at nine PM, uh, which is James Cameron's sci-fi action masterpiece, The Terminator, uh, which saw obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator for the first time, and certainly not the last time. Um, and it's just he's he's hunting down Linda Hamilton, who's being protected by Michael Bean, and it's just it's got a very simple plot. I know it's about time travel, but it's very much like a someone's hunting someone, they're being protected by someone, they've got to run away for as much as they can, and it's just relentless action fun. And it was it was uh, of course Arnie playing the villain. And then when Arnie yes. became really famous, they they just rewrote it so all the subsequent ones he's the hero because you could do yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Terminator Two, it's one it's one of those um, one two punches of movies where they're both excellent in in different ways. This one, especially compared, you know, Terminator Two again, they obviously got a much bigger budget, much bigger set pieces, uh, much bigger action um, 
set pieces. Terminator, it's actually a lot more when you look at it, a lot more low key mm. um, with what they could do. But the effects are great. A lot of uh, puppetry or stop motion animation, animatronics in there, and it, it really does hold up. Okay, that's uh, that's if if you've not seen it before as well, you should check it out because it is a it is a definitive classic. That's the Terminator from I think 1984, and that's on uh, five star nine pm on Saturday the 9th of April. Um, after the three movie fest of Saturday, you've just gone for the one on Sunday, but I think it's an overlooked classic. Well, this is the thing. There's always when Sam and I pick our movies for these things, there's always one movie. Uh, that I've never actually seen, but I want to see. So I put it in there as a reminder to, for, to myself to actually see it. And this is that one. Uh, this is Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight uh, on BBC One at 11.40pm. So it's on quite late on Sunday evening. Um, but it stars uh, George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Um, and she she's a cop. He's a criminal. Oh, there's sexual tension there. Oh, they're two very, very attractive people. Oh, what's going to happen? And it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those movies, like you say, sort of often overlooked classic. And so, so overlooked, I haven't seen it. But I, I've put it in there as a reminder to myself and anyone else out there who wants to see it that it is uh, on BBC One. That's out of sight. Yeah, and it's um, based on a Elmore Leonard uh, story, uh, as is... Um, so. Well, in fact, this period in, in cinema, there were a few of um, Elmore Leonard's being made and being done very well. Get Shorty was was a big hit from, I think, a year or two before. Uh, and also Jackie Brown, the uh, Quentin Tarantino film, uh, mm. which was from uh, around this kind of time as well. And I believe, and I'm just double-checking this now, because as I'm saying it, I'm thinking I might have made it up. But yes, that Jackie Brown and Out of Sight are connected. They they share the same cinematic universe through the virtues of uh, a very good actor. I would imagine one of your favourites, but his, his part is so small he's not listed in many places. But Michael Keaton is in both movies playing the same oh, yes. character. He plays an FBI agent in both of them. Uh, and he goes around wearing a T-shirt with FBI on it. And and somebody makes a joke saying, if you're undercovered, you just have that word printed underneath it, you know, when you're out and about. But uh, but he's really good in, in both. In, in, he has a bigger part in Jackie Brown, um, but he plays the same character. Um, and I think he's only in one scene in Out of Sight. But uh, but it does it does establish it as being in the same universe. Well, there you go. And if anyone has ever watched the TV series Justified with Timothy Oliphant, that is supposed to be set in the same universe. Certainly some of the characters overlapped in the books that they're based on. Uh, and and the character that J Lo plays in this movie was played by somebody else in an episode of Justified, but for legal reasons they changed her surname. But it was the same character. Okay, there you go. Mm. Okay, that's uh, Sunday yeah. night, tenth of April, BBC One, eleven forty p.m. Out of sight. Let's move to Monday, the eleventh of April, and uh, on the Paramount Network at nine p.m. The greatest uh, martial arts movie ever made. I mean that that's certainly up for debate. Um I'm certainly no expert. I'm trying to I'm trying to watch more martial arts movies, but uh it's I would say a lot of people would put it up there. It's of course Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. It's many you know, there are there are actors through time, like James Dean's one of them, um and certainly Bruce Lee, where because of obviously tragic circumstances their their lives and careers were cut short but they had such an incredible effect on on cinema and bruce lee he he died tragically young he didn't make that many full movies um yet 
his you know his, his influence is seen you know even to this day um with with martial arts movies yeah i think he made four or five movies I think yeah. it was as small a number as that. I don't think it was. It was. It was such a small number of movies, of which I think he starred in maybe four of them, and he might have appeared in another movie. But it was a very small number of movies. But this was the first Western martial arts movie. This was the, or the first Hollywood martial arts movie. Previous ones were made in Hong Kong, but this one was made by Warner Brothers, and it was it was the first one and arguably one of the best. And the, the story yes, is very uh... much. It's basically like a Bond story, but rather than James Bond, it's Bruce Lee. Yeah, he, he he takes part in a martial arts competition on the island run by a villain with knives for a hand. It's, you know... <laughs> it is Bond-esque, isn't it? Want. Yeah. <laughs> and he is a secret agent, I think, if I remember rightly as well. Uh, yeah, he's basically going undercover and, yeah, he's going to kick some butt. Yeah, okay. No one needs to know more than that, really, but it, no. it beautifully um, captured the zeitgeist of the era and... and um, it even had a bit of a nod to black exploitation movies that were from that era as well, um, and 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 it it just be- beautifully showcased what a martial arts movie could do. And if you look very closely in one scene, you can see a very young Jackie Chan, who's who's a, I think he's a henchman. Jackie Chan was in there. Also, uh, martial arts legend Sammo Hung is uh, at the beginning as well. Um, so a lot of yeah, a lot of these guys like Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung. They got their start in Bruce Lee movies, and yeah, um, you can see them around. There's also a very interesting um, uh, martial arts documentary on Netflix, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but uh, it's the relationship between black exploitation movies and um, martial arts movies in the 70s uh, overall. So, uh, very interesting. Okay. I I must say, I do also quite enjoy, and I'm not sure if you should or not, but I enjoy the moment in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when Bruce Lee is depicted and him and uh, Brad Pitt sort of square off against each other. Because, I mean, that film is full of um, little bits that, that are legends uh, of Hollywood. And, and apparently one such legend is is that that kind of event did happen. But I did think it was great to, to see this guy very accurately portray Bruce Lee and and play him quite differently from how he's often seen, which is almost like some sort of demigod. Um, yeah. But anyway. Uh, the movie I was thinking of was Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. Okay. And that's on, that's a documentary on Netflix, you say? That is indeed. Right. Okay. So that's uh, Enter the Dragon, Paramount Network, 9pm, Monday the 11th of April. Also, by the way, that movie, stunning soundtrack by Lalo Schifrin, who did some great 60s soundtracks, including uh, Bullet, and he did the theme for Mission Impossible and and uh, lots and lots of other iconic uh, movie themes. Uh, but yeah, he also did the music for Enter the Dragon. So let's nice move one. to... Let's move to Tuesday, the 12th of April, and your final film, uh, and another appearance from James Cameron, uh, this time uh, making another sequel. In fact, he, you know, people sometimes say, you know, by and large, sequels are never as good as the first movie, but there are notable exceptions. And two movies that often appear on that notable exceptions list are Terminator 2 and Aliens. Yes, Aliens, obviously uh, following up from Ridley Scott's uh, 1979 classic Alien, uh, which was a a sci-fi horror. Uh, This goes for sci-fi action. Uh, So where the first film had just one alien, why not the second film have 
dozens of aliens. Uh, and Sigourney Weaver is back as Ellen Ripley, um, this time with a bunch of colonial marines in tow. And they go, uh, a, a colony has gone quiet uh, and they think uh, there might be aliens involved. So they go see if they can save anyone. And, well, it doesn't go well for a lot of them. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, yeah, the action is superb. Um, Sigourney Weaver has rarely been better. And it's uh, top-notch sci-fi action from James Cameron. And another appearance from Michael Bean as well. Indeed, Michael Bean. Um, Lance Henriksen's in there. It's uh, It's a great movie. It's a great movie. That's Aliens, which is uh, on uh, Tuesday, the 12th of April, ICV4, 9pm. And that concludes another edition of the St. Albans Film Guide. Uh, thank you to uh, Chris Aikman for uh, guiding us uh, through his choice of movies. The, the list of films you can find uh, on our website right now, com, and it's also in the description of this episode. Next week on the Film Guide, it is the return of Max Hartington. So, you know, it's all we could afford over Easter. But uh, anyway, uh, Max will be back and uh, we will have uh, Sam back with Chris probably the week after. Indeed you shall.